A Parent's Guide to Sabbath and Rest by Dr. Julie Canlis. The Sabbath, that's Old Testament legalism, right? Whenever keeping the Sabbath holy is presented as an arbitrary command, God quickly turns into a dictator whose job is to invent rules to make us miserable. In the New Testament, Jesus often broke the Sabbath to prove to law keepers that they had missed the whole point. God has a vision for human flourishing. God has a specific shape of life in which we can be blessed. And believe it or not, resting is a part of this. In fact, teenagers whose whole goal in life is to sleep as late as humanly possible, am I right? Might be better Sabbath keepers than we parents. Let's explore the big picture of God's design for human flourishing. And from this, begin to understand why Sabbath is relevant and even fun for families today. What are the origins of the Sabbath? Was God tired? In Genesis, after God's extraordinary burst of creativity for six days, God rested and delighted that and enjoyed his creation. After all, it was very good. The spirituality of Sabbath flows from the sense of delight, rest, and the goodness of creation and life itself. Families that try and to keep the Sabbath without this sense of holy play and extravagant wasting of time will certainly not be keeping it holy. On this seventh day of rest, God's activity transitioned from creating to creation care and delight. The newly created image bearers, Adam and Eve, are welcomed into God's restful activity on the seventh day. As his image bearers, they are not told to do nothing, but instead are invited into God's own love of gardening. So the rest of God's seventh day is not because God was tuckered out from a busy six days of productivity. Rather, it's our invitation to enter into God's work. Work that he is maintaining from his own stance of rest. God didn't jump off the bandwagon on the seventh day. It's the day that humans jumped on the bandwagon through resting in him. What does the word Sabbath mean? In Hebrew, the word Sabbath literally means stop. Didn't the Sabbath begin at night? Technically, yes, when the sun went down. This had an interesting impact upon the Israelites' consciousness, conditioning them against workaholism and conditioning them to live in grace. What if we began our day by going to sleep? entrusting everything we were involved in to the Lord, only to wake up later when the Lord has been at work for hours and hours already. In his book, Answering God, Eugene Peterson writes about beginning our day at the start of the evening like this, quote, The Hebrew evening slash morning sequence conditions us to the rhythms of grace. We go to sleep and God begins his work. As we sleep, he develops his covenant. We wake and are called out to participate in God's creative action. We respond in faith, in word, 
but always grace is previous. Grace is primary. We wake into a world we didn't make, into a salvation we didn't earn. Evening. God begins with our help, his creative day. Morning. God calls us to enjoy and share and develop the work he initiated. Creation and covenant are sheer grace and are there to greet us every morning. End quote. What if our day began by entering into God's mercies? What if we did not begin the day with our productivity, but with God's? Can we switch off enough to rest, knowing that God neither slumbers nor sleeps? Our rest is not earned by having been productive enough. When, we, when, do, when do we feel productive enough anyways, right? Instead, our rest is a statement of deep trust that someone else is in charge. The Sabbath isn't what we get to do when our work is finished. It rescues us from the tyranny of unfinished work. Why did the Israelites keep the Sabbath? As God set to marking his people off from the rest of the world so that nations could look at them and say, hey, they are different. They treat their slaves differently. They treat their land differently. Could this be a different kind of God? He did so by laying down certain guidelines to make them stand out. He set up an elaborate temple system with sacrifices that were based on grace, not bargaining. He set up circumcision. He set up kosher food laws. He even laid down primitive hygiene laws that would have been revolutionary for nomadic wanderers. He laid down an ethical ideal in the form of the Ten Commandments that protected relationships and nurtured community. Central to this ideal is that God's people should keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath was based on two revolutionary truths about identity. Number one, we are God's image bearers, as shown in Exodus. And number two, we are not slaves, as shown in Deuteronomy. Exodus focuses on the Sabbath as flowing from God's own resting. You want to show the world that you're image bearers? Then rest like I do. Exodus 20.11 declares, and while you're at it, Exodus goes on to say, make sure that you aren't hoarding the blessing. Pass it on. Give your servants a break. Give your animals a break. This blessing isn't meant to be hoarded, but is meant to reflect my own delight in you and how I created you. Deuteronomy, on the other hand, focuses on the Sabbath as a protest against the idols and the gods of this age. Having just emerged from more than 10 generations of slavery, the Israelites would have had trouble really believing that they were now free, even if they had physically entered the promised land. Could they ever shake their slave mentality? Part of God's plan for their rehabilitation was to challenge their belief that they had been made for ceaseless work. A restating of Deuteronomy 5.15 could be, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Therefore, you must observe the Sabbath day. You must act your way into a new way of thinking and behaving. You are not human doings. You are human beings. (laughs) The Sabbath was a weekly reboot for the Israelites' operating system. 
For ancient Israel, Sabbath was also an act of resistance. Unlike Pharaoh, who required the Israelites to make more bricks and even make bricks without straw, Yahweh is not an insatiable overlord driven by a production and consumption economy. In God's economy, both his people and his land are allowed to rest due to his mercy and grace. Both of these are helpful for families in the 21st century as we begin to wonder how our Sabbath can keep reflecting the fact that we are made in God's image. We must begin by asking, how can our Sabbath serve as a defense against idolatrous thinking and behaving? If they weren't allowed to do much on the Sabbath, what did the Israelites do? This simple statement in Genesis about God resting, blessing the the seventh day and making it holy, became considerably more complicated by Jewish tradition over the years. By late Friday afternoon, all housekeeping and meal preparation had to be finished, with the common family table becoming the center of all liturgical action. There were unspoken regulations for the meal, for the liturgy said over the meal, and for all reminders of work to be hidden from view, perhaps to keep temptation out of the way. As Jewish writer Judith Shlovitz noted about the Sabbath, the rules did not exist to torture the faithful. They were meant to communicate the insight that interrupting the ceaseless round of striving requires a surprisingly strenuous act of will. End quote. Throughout medieval Europe, Jewish families spread all over the continent were connected by this common meal with candles, prayers, ritual hand washing, wine, and conversation. Often before going to bed, they would share what they had left with the poor. Following the morning synagogue service, another meal and an afternoon spent resting or making social calls on friends and relatives, the Sabbath was concluded with a final meal and service. Did early Christians keep the Sabbath? Yes, but in a new way. The book of Hebrews didn't get rid of the Sabbath, but refocused it from what the people were not allowed to do to what God was already doing for them. Hebrews applies the Sabbath to salvation, where resting is now defined as being in Christ and his relationship with the Father. Sabbath is shorthand for living in this state of total trust, where our action is caught up and integrated in God's action. The early Christians began to think of the Sabbath in this completely Christ-centered way in which rest means us getting out of the way so that God can do the work. So they began to worship on Sundays. In an effort to put themselves smack in the center of God's resurrection action in the world. The reformers picked up on this and said the Sabbath is a grace a grace that we don't often extend to ourselves. So much that God has to nearly force us to give ourselves this grace and rest from our works. Although the Sabbath was given to the Jews and not to the Gentiles, many Christians continued serving, observing a Sunday Sabbath in celebration of Christ being our true spiritual rest. But a spiritual rest doesn't mean we believe that our bodies don't also need the rest as well. That's dualism. Is the Sabbath relevant now? 
Absolutely. Although it can simply look like enforced nap taking, the Sabbath really is about Christian identity. The Sabbath can protect us from false identities because it is so countercultural to a consumer driven society. For example, one of the greatest values in our culture is productivity and making it on our own. To take time to escape the rat race and proclaim that other values order our time and our lives is saying no to one of the greatest idols of our time. Theologian Walter Brueggemann said it best when he wrote, In our own contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of Sabbath is an act of both resistance and alternative. It is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods, end quote. In fact, one of the greatest gifts the Sabbath is, is it reveals our idols as well. When we ask ourselves, what do I wish I could be doing instead of taking this time out to sleep or play with my family or go on a hike? then we have a pretty good clue as to what we really value. Here's perhaps a different way of asking the same thing. What will I miss out on if I keep the Sabbath? These things are probably not bad in and of themselves, but they probably represent what we are grasping after too hard. They might be work or even leisure, idolized and somehow associated with our self-worth. Even children today are put under tremendous pressure to perform, whether through Sunday sports tournaments or the regular practicing of instruments or weekend homework and studying. Sometimes that pressure even comes from us as parents, since we worry that our children may not be able to get the scholarships or turn pro if they have one day off each week. But if that's the case, let's first call this fallacy what it is, a fallacy. In fact, by giving our kids dedicated time off each week, time that's also spent focused on God, on who he is and and what he wants for us, we might actually be giving them what they need to fulfill their true potential, whether or not they have what it takes to be a professional athlete, artist, writer, whatever. That's a different story altogether. Then let's take some time to reflect. How might we model for our children the discipline of rest or model the faith-filled belief that our children's future is in God's hands, not just in the amount of studying or practicing that they can cram in over the next weekend? How can we explain to our kids that following God's command to rest is also a show of faith that we trust God in all things? It might take some creativity and work. This is the right kind of work. But Sabbath could become a day where we reconnect and play as families instead of perpetuate the frantic pace of the week. If all of God's commands are gifts, then the Sabbath commandment was an expression of God's desire to bless us. If the Sabbath becomes a time where we feel deprived of what we love, then something is probably wrong, either with how we're approaching the Sabbath or with our desires. Jesus made it clear that we miss the point if we spend all our time obsessing over what we do over what to do or what not to do on the Sabbath. 
for example, should I put my pull my donkey out of this pit or not? In Luke 14.5, God's laws are a series of runway lights showing our hearts where to land. So whenever there are small no's in the Bible, these are for a much bigger yes that God is proclaiming over us. He wants us to have life and have it abundantly. Slave mentality. The Sabbath says no to anything that makes us a slave. As Tim Keller wrote in his book, Every Good Endeavor, anyone who cannot obey God's command to observe the Sabbath is a slave, even a self-imposed one. Your own heart or our materialistic culture or an exploitative organization or all of the above will be abusing you if you don't have the ability to be disciplined in your practice of Sabbath. Sabbath is therefore a declaration of our freedom. It means you're not a slave, not to your culture's expectations, your family's hopes, your medical school's demands, not even to your own insecurities. It is important that you learn to speak this truth to yourself with a note of triumph. Otherwise, you will feel guilty for taking time off, or you'll be unable to truly unplug, end quote. You might be enslaved to a wrong view of work and productivity. It could be FOMO. It could be a clean house. It could be that you're a slave to control, that you really don't trust God to provide your daily bread. It could be habits of resting that are not really deep, deeply soulful, but resemble addictive habits like binge watching. It could be kinds of social media that enslave us to image making. It could be such enslavement to busyness that a nap seems out of the question. Our entire culture is stressed out, over busy, and looking for ways to escape. Its answers are to find ways to be more productive, while at the same time offering short-term ways to escape. The Sabbath is not an escape. Instead, it reveals the things to which we escape to alleviate our stress. The Sabbath stands as a refuge from the crazy, whether we can afford the time or not and puts us in a position of trust and dependence in God. It enforces us to unwind in ways that put us more deeply in touch with ourselves, our friends, family, the world, and God. As Wendell Berry writes, Sabbath observance invites us to stop. It invites us to rest. It asks us to notice that while we rest, the world continues without our help. It invites us to delight in the world's beauty and abundance. It's not an accident that the Sabbath commandment was given to Israel as she was leaving her years of slavery and idolatry, rediscovering her true identity. The Sabbath will always impose our idols and help us leave our slavery behind. Always. What is the Sabbath saying yes to? Being an image bearer. The Sabbath says yes to the way we were created, which is as creatures with limits created for relationships. Even Adam and Eve before the fall needed to sleep. They had needs. Their goodness included the real physical limitations they had. In this way, the Sabbath beckons us to let God 
be God and to let us be very good creatures with limits and needs who can't save ourselves by our workaholism or our perfectionism or our frantic efforts to rest. If we refuse rest, we are refusing the way that God created us and a specific way that we can be image bearers. God could pull off in six days what we can't hope to achieve in seven. So why don't we just rest? Sabbath keeping is not about legalism, but about image bearing. And the second way we are in God's image is that we are created for relationships. The Lord saw that it was not good that the man should be alone. So for this rest to truly be restful, it must honor the other way in which we are created, which is to be deeply connected with our primary relationships, friends, family, ourselves. Yes, we are in relationship with ourselves. And of course, with the Lord. So should I keep the Sabbath? I'm overwhelmed as it is. (laughs) Start small and stick to it. Perhaps it simply involves permission to sleep more on a specific day. And ask yourself what idols are getting in your way of resting. Hebrews 4 speaks of Christ as our Sabbath, but then says there is still a rest for the people of God. Being overwhelmed is probably getting in the way of doing what you really want. Reprioritize and receive your limitations as a gift. Remember that Jesus is the self-proclaimed Lord of the Sabbath. Rest in him. How do I start? Dr. Julie Canlis says this, we didn't tell our kids that we were starting to have a Sabbath and have them howl and groan and complain. We just started doing it and they didn't really know it was a Sabbath, but they knew they loved moms and dads, undivided attention, phone restrictions, great dinner, sharing together, etc. It was fun, but not in a hyped up way. Then it wouldn't be a Sabbath for us parents. And more in a deeply intentional relational way. We have family books that we're reading through together that get us prime time on our Sabbath evening. We have a pretty typical meal and a loose liturgy around this meal that invites deep sharing. We have alternating movie nights and game nights. Sometimes we hike or have an adventure. Whatever your family temperament, craft this time around the things that nurture relationships and probably extended time together. What if I don't have a normal day off? What if we do sports? Sabbath is less about Sunday than it is about blocking off time to keep the idols at bay. But I would recommend a fairly predictable day that your kids can count on. What matters more to children by whom much of life is caught and not taught is they see this happening regularly. Come hell or high water. (laughs) Also that it be supremely fun. Sports are difficult and our attention for every family For maybe an example for some of you, maybe you allow each child to do one club sport for one to two seasons in their entire high school career. Maybe negotiate with coaches as to how many Sundays they will miss. And then, you know, work hard to ensure that their primary community doesn't become their sports team 
but their church's youth group. But for some families, this isn't an option. So just apply some of the principles of Sabbath that involve set and regular practices that denounce the idols and also build up your image bearing and the Lord will lead you. Here's some discussion questions to ask your family. On a scale of one to 10, one being bored out of your minds and 10 being mind-blowingly busy, how busy would you say we are as a family? What activities would you give up if you could? What activities would be hard to give up and why? What activities do you wish mom and dad would give up? Why? If we were to have a free day as a family once a week, what would you want us to do? What would you like to do regularly as a family together that we seldom do? When do you feel most relaxed? And finally, what could we do as a family to fight busyness more? A few uh, resources that I recommend is a book called The Sabbath by Abraham Joshua Heschel. It's from a Jewish perspective. I also recommend a book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He spends a lot of time talking about these principles, especially Sabbath rest. So I recommend that. I also recommend a book by Jefferson Bethke called To Hell with the Hustle. He spends a great deal of time talking about that as well. But other than that, I hope this resource was a big help to you and your family. Remember, we don't have to be perfect, but we can always start somewhere. And that somewhere could start this weekend. Happy Sabbath.